Hello and good evening, everybody. Welcome to the special election episode with Ben and Bucky. We are here, part two. Uh, part one, if you haven't listened to it, is a really good precursor for what we're going into now. It really sets the stage. <clears throat> uh, I think, therefore I do. Who was the famous philosopher, Bucky? There's, I think, therefore I do. <laughs> <laughs> I think, therefore you I got am. Me. You got there me. You got me. I don't know. <laughs> I got, I'm, I'm mincing two philosophers. Um, anyways, we, we wanted to give some kind of response, some kind of helpful tool for this election season that at ah, the day of recording, here we are just a couple days after the election day. And um, we know people need assistance. We know people need guidance and help. There's a lot of media out there, you guys. Please be educated consumers of your media. Know what you need to do for, to guard your own heart and mind. And these two episodes, part one about thought, what are some potentially alternative ways of thinking about this season and thinking about these issues and these presidential candidates is preceding this part two episode, how are we brought to action? Uh, part one, as a brief review, we talked about the politics of Jesus is not just voting once a year, it's voting every day with your life. We talked about the, the wake-up call to us as Christians that though we believe in government, that we have a great model of government in America, and it's a great system. It's one of the best in the world. At the end of the day, the American government is not in the business of changing hearts. Mm -hmm. Only the gospel of Jesus Christ, only the body and blood of Jesus Christ can do that. And finally, maybe we have to have a gut check of our, of our thought life right now that we need to make our stance, that is our worldview, our, our, our kingdom of God worldview, bigger than any one issue or any one political season or party or person. So that was all a quick review of thought. And now we want to talk about action. Uh, as a Christian people, we, we don't just live as monks completely um, uh, away from society in a monastery, even though Bucky and I are both right about now uh, wishing and hoping that we could have that kind of lifestyle. No, we're very much involved in the city, in people's lives, in, in, the, in the cultural moment right now. And so you got to respond. You got to live. You can't just think and be. You got to live. And so the question is, Bucky, what would Jesus do if <laughs> uh, his team won or lost? Mm. That's the question. What would we do? Now, obviously, we're Christ followers. What do we do if our team, you know, we're hoping that there are people listening who are Biden fans, and we hope there are people who are listening who are Trump fans. So what do you do if your team won or lost? Well, I, this this question hits home with me because I have uh, neighbors that I see on my street regularly, and one of the neighbors who I really appreciate and have got to know and had conversations with him, his name is Mark, and Mark has a different political stance than me, and potentially his team's going to win, my team's going <laughs> to lose, <laughs> yeah. and uh, at the heart, I would say, hey, I just want to avoid him at all costs. <laughs> I want to pretend he's not there. Right. Uh, I want to uh, drive by him really quick so we don't have the conversation because is he going to gloat? Is he going to, you know, whatever? And I, I think uh, what Jesus would do is Jesus would lean right into that. And mm. I need to love him. Mm. I need to appreciate him. I need to humble myself and uh, build a relationship with him. So I think I think the thing that Jesus would do is he would take that person out for a meal. <laughs> he would have a have a meal with them and have a God conversation with him. And that's what I need to do with Mark because it's not about who won the political uh, outcome. It's about Mark's heart and the gospel. And mm -hmm. I want him to know Jesus beyond whether my team won or lost. Right? That's huge. Yeah. So the gospel once again 
transcends politics. Wow, interesting. <laughs> we are political people. We're embedded in this time, this place, this country. That's for sure. Um, but the but but people coming to know Jesus so they can have life and relationship with Him in this life and the life yet to come for eternity is preeminent. Wow, that's I, I, that's good. I agree with you. I think the thing we have to overcome in this moment, and we talked about this last Sunday, you can listen to the uh, sermon from 11.1. Go and listen to the sermon, the Watermark OC sermon from 11.1 on mercy. What we talked about a lot there is that this season of high, high, maybe record-setting political polarization has led to a cancel culture moment where we are just canceling anyone who disagrees with us. Anyone who views the world different than us, you're canceled in my book. You're, you're invalid, and not just invalid or wrong, you are evil. You're evil. We've spiritualized, and this is, I think, believer and non-believer alike. We have, we have spiritualized those who view the world different than us and made them evil, wicked. Mm. We've moved from, if you want to go very high philosophical on this, we've moved from a moral relativism, which is anything goes, have it your way, do what you want, do what feels good, to a strict moralism. Mm-hmm. If you don't view the world I do, if you don't have the same morals as I do, especially in my voting activity, you are wrong, dead to me, and evil. Mm. So what does that mean for our response if our team wins or loses? We've retreated to our tribes. We go back to our, our base. I, I keep wanting to say this. I even want to say it Sunday. The most base version of our base, and it's tribalistic, animalistic, fend for ourselves, protect only those who are like us, go to our deepest, darkest pole, and where does the gospel of enemy love go? Mm. Where does the camp and the tribe that represents enemy love, Jesus, what one person, I don't know who was the first to say, but they call Jesus' way the third way. If there's left and right, which is op, you know one way, a second way, Jesus' way is always going to be this, the third way, the beautiful way, the kingdom way, necessitates, just like you said, if our team win or, win, wins or loses, and it's not just this obscure party out there, but it's our neighbor now. Just you give a very real example. It's our neighbor. It is at our front door. It is timely. It is right here and right now. The gospel way, the third way, necessitates that we pray for them. Scripture says pray for those who persecute us. Mm-hmm. Turn the other cheek. Turn the other cheek. And again, we can deep dive into this and you can you can explain the misnomer about that. doesn't mean that we're just victims and we roll over and we let ourselves be abused. No. Turn the other cheek is actually a shaming of those who would persecute us. Um, and yet our neighbors are not even really persecuting. Mark's not persecuting you. No, not at all. We don't even know real persecution. And yet right. we've made ourselves persecuted. We've created an enemy and we're going after them. Right. And I think that's uh, the huge thing that uh, Jesus is calling us to, is to pray. Pray for our enemies, these so-called enemies, those of the winning team. Um, and um, I think a lot of it is just the pride and the ego. If uh, we needed to win, we voted to win, and our team lost, there's, there's, there's ego involved in that. There's a pride, a loss, and we feel less than. And uh, really, that, that allows us to walk with Jesus because Jesus humbled himself. Jesus washed the feet of, of the man that betrayed him, right, Judas. And so we have to realize we're not alone in that. We're going to join Jesus who loves people that are different than him, right, mm. who loves people that have betrayed him, who loves people that would vote differently than he maybe would have voted. And he was willing to wash their feet. And so how can I wash the feet of my neighbor? Well, it begins by praying for my neighbor. And, and, and seeing him through the heart of God. Right? Mm-hmm. That's huge. Yeah. Action. That's your action item number one. Surprise. Yes, you have two pastors here on the show suggesting that you pray. But guess what? That's no weak or, uh, you know, 
um, flimsy way to respond to these times. It's actually one of our greatest weapons Mm -hmm. to meet the Lord using words. Words are powerful. He meets us halfway in our prayer life. And, and, and in that way, heaven breaks in, right? Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Teach us to pray, Jesus. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven is a prayer request from Jesus. We get to pray. That's a powerful action. That's, and that's number one. We need to turn to prayer. Mm-hmm. Now, likewise, a lot of people would say, and I know Christians who would say this, that if prayer is soft or weak or not a real action item, they would say the following disciplines or spiritual practices, Bucky, as we look at action, they would look at silence, solitude, stillness, Sabbath. They would say, oh, that's so soft. That's like doing nothing. These are not doing nothing. Talk to us about the power of these practices, Buggy. Well, these practices really allow us to let go of uh, our own agenda, our own feeling that we can control uh, life through uh, whether it is even our vote or our money or our efforts. And they remind us that God is in control. He's, He's over the government. He's on the throne of our lives. And what that does is it begins to give us and form our hearts around peace, around rest. And, and therefore, when we go back to the political arena, when we go back to our neighbor, when we go back to those on the opposite side, we go back with a non-anxious presence. We go back because more of God's f- peace has been formed in our hearts, and, and in reality, we know that he's in charge. And so we don't have to be in charge. We don't have to be anxious. We don't have to win the argument because... God has formed us around Sabbath peace mm-hmm. through through that discipline and practice as, as we worship him in rest. And so this is a powerful thing. We're actually preparing to go out and engage in the right way with the right heart. Yeah, that is so, so good and so well said. I think the reason why we're so triggered today on both sides, I don't care who feels like they have the monopoly on that word, um, but we are. We're just so triggered. It's just one word and we're mm-hmm. ins- incensed. Yep. And we're inflamed and we're engulfed and we're ready to go for the jugular, right. whether it be on social media, whether it be in reality, uh, in person, is because our tanks are so bloody empty. Our tanks are empty. We're running around. You just, that last word you said, the, the spiritual practices, silence, solitude, stillness, Sabbath, are to prepare, keyword, hinge word, are, are so that we come into our daily lives prepared to handle whatever comes at us. Um, I think about, I keep thinking about that quote. Um, so pithy, but really short, succinct quote, but it's so powerful. It says, be kind today for the person that you face is fighting a hard battle. Mm. You, you could input any word you like from Scripture. Otherwise, be gracious, be merciful today because the person that you're going to meet and the person you're going to see is fighting a hard battle. Let's see the condensed version. Everybody is fighting a hard battle. Mm-hmm. What allow two things? What allows us to fight that battle? The inner life that's governed by these practices. What allows us to um, face that person who's fighting a hard battle with grace and mercy? The inner. The answer is the same. The practice is the same. The action is the same. These are radical, subversive practices. Something going back to part one episode, we talked about abortion. We tried to lean in, talk rather specifically and, and rather, I think, radically about that issue. And a lot of my you know Christian friends who I know, respect, and love. The way that the reason they've decried, um, you know, the left or Democrats is being a party of abortion, and and, and they're tying that to the scripture of murder, right? God is so consistent and so vocal. His heart against murder is, you know, so clear. Let alone against the unborn. It's very, very prominent piece of scripture. 
You know, it's a piece of scripture. I'm not saying these are apples to apples, but I, but I do think it's interesting how we pick and choose and we have unbelievable um, uh, amnesia about this type of text. The scripture that we skip over time and time again is scripture around Sabbath. You know, Sabbath is not just one of the Ten Commandments, like murder, by the mm-hmm. way. It doesn't just make the top ten. If you go into Scripture and you read all the way through the Old Testament and then into the New, God's heart for Sabbath is radical. He comes back to it again and again and again and again. The reference most recently that I read that we were going through as a family is Ezekiel. So here's Ezekiel talking to the, the uh, exiles, the Israelites, the faithful few, God's chosen people in exile. Now they've screwed it up. They've, they've been disobedient. They had God's chosen way to do it. They had God's chosen nation of how to do it, and they chose not to. Mm. They're, they're uh, stiff-necked people. They are rebels, the, the prophets called them. They are you know, wicked to the core. They just didn't get it. Now, Ezekiel's sending this message to them in exile, and he's talking about, in this one picture God gives Ezekiel to speak to the people, he talks about a righteous person, and he gives these few things. It's like a short list, six or seven attributes of a righteous person in God's eyes. You know what's on that list? A Sabbath person. You, my people, you rebellious people, you never kept the Sabbath. Mm. That's crazy that that makes a short list. Right. God's heart for rest, for stopping, for delighting, he knows there's something so necessary about that that matters today in this election season. Yeah, and I think you're tying two things together that not just the law, but the heart of the law, which is about the heart. It's about what's happening on the inside. And murder is wrong, 100%, and there are terrible consequences to murder. But Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount equates murder to anger. Mm. And anger, how do I deal with a cauldron mm. of anger that would cause me to murder? What's underneath that anger? What's, what's that about? Well, you don't deal with that without Sabbath. Right. <laughs> you need Sabbath to be able to get into your soul and be confronted with your own anger. And when you can be confronted with your own anger and judgment, and that can be healed, then you can go talk to the other side mm-hmm. about murder or about abortion with a non-anxious presence with actually a loving spirit. There's the challenge. How would we talk about such a hot flash issue that causes such division and hatred? How could we talk to somebody on their side with love mm-hmm. in a loving, non-anxious way and not in a judgmental way so they could actually maybe hear our perspective? That comes from Sabbath. Mm-hmm. That prepares us actually to have the dialogue in a Christ-like way. Yeah, you, you know? that's so huge. And you, you bring up the relational component, makes me think about Pete Scazzaro. Of course, we talk about him all the time. I do at least. And you can get his book, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. But in his 10 or 12 chapter book, he spends the entire groundwork on emotions, what to do with your emotions, how to do Sabbath. What does he, how does he culminate the book? The very last chapter is a jump off to his other work around relationships. But he says, if you do this stuff well, if you do this inner journey, these spiritual practices, as we call it, going back to basics, silence, solitude, stillness, Sabbath. If you do these things well, when you come to a meeting with someone who's a friend or family or let alone a foe, someone who views the world differently, you can actually reflect their beauty back to them. Mm. He says that's what the spiritually mature person does. Mm-hmm. They sit with someone with that non-anxious presence and they listen to them and they uh, empathize with them and they reflect back the fact that they're an image bearer of God, mm-hmm. regardless of what their political belief are or even their spiritual belief is. Yeah. So that's the aim. And that's 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 perfect segue. How do we how do we reflect the beauty of our neighbor? I think the third action item of prayer is number one. Going to the back to spiritual practices is number two. The third one is neighboring, you know? Love thy neighbor, serve thy neighbor. No, you know, we don't love or serve our neighbor until we know our neighbor. Mm-hmm. That's a huge action step I think people need to remember right now. 
Yeah, the, the gentleman that I'm talking about, that oh, we have different political views and uh, we get together in, in, the, in the street to discuss those views. One morning, uh, I needed to get to the airport um, because uh, he was going to catch a plane, and, and this is during COVID, there was no Uber driver. And he asked me, you know, here's my enemy asking me for a ride. And I said, oh my gosh, I'd love to give you a ride. So I gave him a ride to the airport. We had great conversation. And then he asked me, oh, he has, I invited him to church before. He hasn't come. And he said, hey, are you, are you preaching this weekend? I said, yeah. He goes, send me the podcast. And so it was the, the, the neighboring that opened the door for him to want to actually hear what I might have to say. Mm-hmm. And see, it's always love that sets the groundwork when we have to talk about potentially things that are divisive and difficult. We right. want to lead with love. Right. And that's neighboring. Yeah, that's, we love our neighbor. That's excellent. And I think that, that that's going to snap you out of any echo chamber that you could be a part of living in this county, living in this time. I think it makes you more sensitive, empathetic than, you know, when you go back to your base and you're hearing so much of the stuff that's thrown around, a lot of myths, a lot of lies, a lot of junk news, you know, people threatening to demonize the other side. Mm-hmm. You have a friend, you have a neighbor. Now, this is a little, it's a little bit different. And I think that's the, the great challenge. You know, I pick on the, the abortion issue is for our friends represented on the right side of uh, things, political right. Um, you know, I think that if we let's let's talk about one, let's pick one up from the political left side of the spectrum. And that's people of color, uh, racial and social justice issues, uh, equality issues. And regardless of whether you agree on those platforms or not, or those are the things we should be fighting or not. My driving question I keep wanting to go to on this, uh, and it's under the umbrella of neighboring, this is an action for everyone, is have you made a new friend or have you loved on someone who's different than you economically, socially, racially, religiously, politically? Mm -hmm. Have you made a new friend? Again, uh, you know, talk about how these issues are intertwined. I think it is a statistical reality that our friends or people of color are, are, are some of the greatest populations. Here's how you can even bridge the two ideas, the two topics, are some of the most impacted by, you know, the decision of facing the, facing the question of an abortion or not. Mm-hmm. Man, man, do we, the, the, the communities of every race, and this is a call out and a challenge to both sides of the spectrum, Latino, black, white, Asian, um, are we reaching across making friends listening to one another, find out what the realities are. I love listening to uh, one of our Asian staff members who just candidly shared, said, I had lunch with a few of my Asian friends and they come from the East Coast and I, I felt safe enough to say to them, look, I, 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 don't, I don't view the people of color racial injustice issue the same way as you because I was raised in a different demographic, but I, I appreciate listening to you and I have empathy for the way you view it and how your, your whole life has led you. You know, he talked about a friend being uh, jumped in a bar just because of his race, literally mm. just because he was Asian. He would get in bar fights just because, you know, he was different. Um, and yet he could still sit there in security and say, you know, I, 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 at this point in my life, I've arrived at this conclusion. But here they are breaking bread. Yes. They are, they are going to be okay. They're mm-hmm. going to be a step ahead of us. Yeah. We're locked in our social media and even our church echo chambers. Yes. Got to break those. And we need to neighbor well. Yeah. Neighboring is, is about leading with our ears not leading with our mouth. <laughs> it mm. seems like the cultural debate around politics is about leading with your mouth, with your post, with what you, your truth. And if you want to love your neighbor, you got to lead with your ears. you gotta got to ask great questions and just listen. Get to know their story. Understand their context. As you said, Ben, everybody has a story. Everybody has a hurt and a pain. And there's a reason why they're doing what they're doing. And if we can get to that heart reason, then we can speak to the heart. Then we can minister out of that. So we have to listen 
And that's about prayer. That's about opening our ears versus leading with our mouth. Yeah, that's huge. The last thing, you guys, as we look about, as we talk about and look at action, is serving. So, you know, we're trying to be a church and a people that serves the city. I was telling a friend earlier this morning that one question really haunted me as a church leader, that would the neighborhood know that you were gone? If something happened, if the church had to move for whatever reason, would the neighborhood know? Would the neighborhood miss you? And that has been a driving life force in addition to the amazing text that we have from Jesus constantly. Pour out your life. Give your life to serve others. Sacrifice your life. Give your life the way Christ gave his life for the church. Love this way. Serve this way. Um, And we have this great church history tradition as well. Uh, church leaders and pastors that served, that gave their lives when, when they were persecuted, uh, when there was disease and illness, that they went to go visit those who were quarantined and, and sacrificed their own life just to do that. Um, on and on and on. Talk about, Bucky, why serving is such an appropriate action step right now. Uh, I think serving is, is the way that we take all this anxiety, uh, consternation, um, energy that wants to get out of us through maybe, you know, our mouth and our anger and, you know, having a debate and a dialogue with somebody, trying to win that argument, whatever that might be. And it focuses that energy towards doing something that benefits somebody else. It's laying down my life to lift somebody else up, regardless of where they come from. And that channels that energy in the appropriate direction. And it just brings you into a new different perspective. Because when I go Mm -hmm. serve people uh, that come from a different place and I see maybe with what they live, how much money they have, uh, where where their their family and background has come from, uh, I get get into a whole different world. Mm -hmm. And I'm much more humbled. I'm much more thankful for what I have. I much more appreciate, I mean... My country, regardless of who's, I, when I go to Mexico and I serve the poor and the broken there, and I go across that border and I go go to those people of Rosarito, the, the Nueva Casa Church that we have planted down there, and then I look back at my nation, I see it in a whole different way. Yeah. I see it as to be thankful, mm-hmm. and I see it as how can we work together to make it better versus dividing it by by hating one another. Yeah. So it just just changes me. You know, mm-hmm. we want to change the world starts by with changing me. That's good. That starts with serving others. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Draw know? a circle around yourself. Revival yeah. starts with me. Party yeah. of one. Revival. Party of one. Change the world. Yeah. It starts with me. That's huge. I think we, if we, if we're going to talk about our social silos, there's an individual. Silo too. If you mm-hmm. want to, if you want talk about thought life from the from part one episode. If you want to affect your thought life, look outside yourself. And mm-hmm. I said that's the surest, quickest, most automatic way to snap out of your own personal worry, your own personal self protection is to just get your headspace locked on someone else. Yes. I think one of the specific things that I would leave people with um, on this issue, you know, we partner, the church partners with uh, Trellis. It's a nonprofit organization. Whether you're inside or outside the church today listening, you can look them up. They are wonderful and powerful, and they do tangible work in the city. One of the things that they have always done, and they have a very tight, succinct, four- or five-point platform of what, they get, what they're getting after. And one of them is mentoring of students in schools, mentoring students tutoring, after-school tutoring of kids in our backyard in Costa Mesa. You know what I want to say about these kids? Once again, those kids are a statistic. Those kids could have been, they would be, they, they, they could be a, a would-be statistic for abortion. Mm-hmm. And yet someone, 
<laughs> through, through thick and thin, brought them to life, raised them up, and now here they are. They're at a school in our backyard. You want to tell me you're pro-life? Go and get after volunteering for two hours after mm-hmm. a school day. Be in the life of a young boy or a young girl yes. and find out how they could be shaped for a better society and a better future. Mm-hmm. That's a way to be pro-life. That's a way to sacrifice and give. Go adopt one. Go adopt one for two hours and prevent people from becoming a further statistic. That's, that's an action. That's a legitimate action item in this election season and long after. If this thing gets messier after the date of publication of this episode, guys, consider these things to snap you out of the individual silo, the social political silos that we find ourselves in. Man, there's, there is a hurting and broken world right around you that is urgent and, and, and pressing, and we can be about you know change and love and gospel right here in our backyard. Amen. The kingdom of God is now here. We don't have to wait (laughs) for the outcome. The outcome's already been given. The kingdom of God is now here. And Jesus invites us to join him and be a part of that kingdom transformation. And that's an exciting adventure. Yep. And that's our prayer for you guys who are listening today. Thank you so much for joining us once again. Uh, You can rate and review the show. That always helps more people see this podcast as helpful and useful for them. And uh, once more, Uh, These are crazy times and people don't know, like you maybe, how to find the right sources. Uh, that are that are well educated, that are well thought through, that are that are dependable. Um, and, and maybe you know a lot of the stuff we've talked about, and they're familiar to you. But you know, for 10, 20, 50, 100 people on your social media or wherever, you could take a screenshot of this episode and post it, send it to someone via text message, email it to a group of people. It could be life altering for them. Quite frankly, I think that we've really put some time behind this, and it's useful, helpful for for someone you know. So if that's the case. Don't hesitate. Send it to someone who needs to not just survive during the season, but flourish, but thrive during the season. So that's our hope in this this part one and part two election special episode. Thanks for listening, you guys. Yeah, thanks, Watermark. God bless. See ya.